be curious. What is it that is causing that tension or that anxiety or what is it that's feeding the need for things to be different than they are right now? And just look at it and see what comes up and then be ready to meet that with, if you can, a sense of kindness. I believe every person deserves kindness in their lives. I believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out, to change the world beginning with you and me. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Self-Kindness, Self-Kindness with Pete. It's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower, how kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change. How does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most? You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you. And each week, we'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, everybody. Pete Sibley here, and welcome to another episode of Self-Kindness with Pete. So grateful you're here, and as always, want to start off by just having you check in. <laughs> how, how are you doing right now in this moment? What are you noticing that's coming up? Just like that intro from my guest today, Lindsay Kugel. You know, are you curious? Are you curious about what's arising in you right now? In your thoughts, how are you taking everything that's coming your way as we listen to news about pandemics and protests and uncertainty and wildfires and back to school and conventions? You know, really taken without a break, without a pause, to just be curious for a moment. It's really enough to bring up uh, anxiety in any person, whether you have a really strong mindfulness practice or not. So I want to make an invitation to you. I, I want to put a challenge out to you. I am hosting a three-day kindness challenge, and it's going to begin next week, August 26th, runs for three days. You can sign up and catch it either live, uh, noon Pacific time, or you can watch the recordings afterwards. And what we're going to do is we're really going to come together and use this challenge as a chance to walk away with some specific ways to decrease anxiety, to really witness how can we be more calm and mindful in these moments and knowing what to do with those anxious thoughts. I'm really here to remind you that it's okay to feel those feels yesterday had an interview with another guest that I'm really going to be excited to share with you, a social psychologist who talks about being human and sustaining happiness isn't about always feeling bubbly and light, but it's really about our ability to allow all of our human experience to be brought to light. What I've noticed and what I've recognized in having these conversations with my guests and with all of you is that as adults, we get into our patterns. We want to redirect our attention away from these challenges, which is normal. And we want to, at times, maybe even numb it out with food or with TV or with a drink or 
maybe it's CBD, whatever your, your choice is for doing that. And, you know, with this challenge next week, this three day challenge, I really want to be here to remind you that, that in anxiety and in that feeling of uncertainty, there's so much more, there's so much more that, that allows us to drop in, you know, Eckhart Tolle points to it in his powerful writings of like in the power of now where there is that that quality of us that character of us that if you take us all apart you won't be able to find the essence of who we are that's the unnameable and really that's what self-kindness is is getting back in touch with that so so i invite you and i challenge you to really take a look at that and it starts with right here right in this moment how are you doing i am super excited to introduce my guest today lindsay kugel lindsay has held founding roles with several impactful startup organizations and teams these include google's well-being learning team the green building council of israel a clean tech firm supporting water security and a sustainable home improvement firm. Most recently, Lindsay has spent the past six years with Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, or (laughs) SILLY, where she is the director of public programs and partnerships and a staff teacher, building SILLY's mindfulness-based emotional intelligent trainings worldwide. So without further ado, Lindsay Kugel. Hello and welcome, Lindsay Kugel, to Self-Kindness with Pete. I am super glad that you're here and taking the time to be with me. Thank you so much. I'm excited for our conversation. (laughs) Great. Well, I love it, Lindsay, because sometimes on my show so far, I've had people that I've known really well, including my wife. And then I have other people like you who I feel like I've only had the privilege to get to know uh, virtually by reading about the work that you're doing in the world. So if you could just start off by giving us a little bit, uh, a little intro about who you are and the beautiful work that you're doing in the world. And then I would love to hear why, why you said yes to a conversation today about self-kindness. Great. Yeah. Happy to. Thank you so much, Pete. It's it's already fun to chat with you. Uh, my name is Lindsay Kugel, and um, I work for the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which, as we were just joking about, is totally fine to call silly. That is how we <laughs> that is how we say our acronym, silly. So go for it. Um, and we do mindfulness based emotional intelligence trainings, uh, largely for the workplace or um, the professional uh, and speak to both in our programming as well as uh, sort of in the laboratory of our own experience at Silly, what it looks like to incorporate mindfulness practices into work. And and then by way of that into daily life, of course. Mm-hmm. And my, my background is, I actually come from a background in marketing and sales and also um, environmental business. And I had had a mindfulness practice for on and off, love-hate relationship, I'll say, for a long time. And then uh, during the process of um, having my first child, really doubled down on my mindfulness practice. And it was shortly thereafter that I found Silly, which was a combination of my emotional intelligence training that I had had as part of my MBA 
and the mindfulness element that had been going on in my personal life. And so far, it's been a really incredible journey. I've been there for uh, almost seven years, and I find it ever increasingly fascinating how it is not only possible, but so helpful to to incorporate practices like that into working life and in a way Mm. that I would have been skeptical about ever being possible previously, honestly. Mm. Mm. Um, And then why I said yes. Well, self-kindness, I mean, how do you say yes? How do you say no to that, right? Um, <laughs> but but I think it's super important because it's 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 actually something that's really easy to say no to. We I, I mm. certainly, you know, i'm I'm thirty eight years old. I've spent a, the better part of my life, I think, as i as I learn more and more about myself, telling myself that everything I'm doing is wrong, whatever it is. It's always, Mm. it's always wrong. And there's this, especially in Western, I think, societies and and the way that we grow up and, and our kind of societal assumptions, there's a way that we tend toward self deprecation, maybe self loathing. (laughs) And, and I think it certainly in practicing mindfulness, and starting to become more aware of that and recognizing that it's helped me to at least see it. And then practicing self-kindness has been uh, difficult and, and a real journey for, for me. And I would say more and more recently, I've started to become aware of how advantageous it is. Certainly not, certainly in the feel goods, right? It may help you, helps you make right. you feel good. But also, it is absolutely instrumental in my own growth. And I think a lot of us are interested in doing work that are, that's really about what feels exciting for us, what feels meaningful to us, where our passion lies. Mm-hmm. And that naturally requires us to really grow continuously, I think, as human beings. So self-kindness is an inherently important part of that, in my view. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you talked about the the difficulties and that almost mantra that that you said you've had for maybe a couple decades now of I'm I'm doing it wrong, and I find that a lot with the people that I work with, and in my own personal journey, um, I joke with one guest I had on the show that I probably could have just as easily called the show, um, you know, self mutilation by Pete. <laughs> instead of self-kindness with Pete is like, I, you know, had just become so adept at uh, immediately spinning something to show that that wasn't good enough. And I noticed in my own practice, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, that the way that I set that up, uh, maybe from my uh, learning growing up in the community that I grew up in, the family I grew up in, uh, that I was using that negative approach um, really as a thing that I wanted to use to help me. I wanted to use it as something that would motivate me to do what you're talking about, to grow in a way where more of my passion, more of that, that you know, energy for life would come from. But I was doing that using this negative format. So when you're talking about that, it's sometimes self-kindness is difficult. And you also noticed that there was this skepticism in you is that what you're referring to? Um, that we had gotten so used to 
negative reinforcement? Yeah, I think I think that's right. It's yes. So there's a couple of pieces. One for a long, I feel I feel that for a long time I was fairly unconscious of that voice, right? That like you need to do better, you're doing it wrong kind of continuous voice. And then and it was driving me, certainly, driving me to be better, driving me to seek, you know, some kind of external validation, whether it's at work mm. or in, you know, in uh, relationships. And then in starting to recognize it more and more, as I uh, did more mindfulness practice, then being able to then be able to just see it and not have that also contribute to a, a vicious cycle of more self self uh, right. you know, mutilation, as you put it, self-deprecation. And so that's been quite a, a dynamic of, of seeing, okay, there is some, there is this, you know, self-critic, let's call it. And there is some, there is some good that comes out of that, that out of that, right? It feeds some maybe externally good actions, maybe. Sometimes, sometimes yes, and sometimes no, but that there is maybe another way to get to those same actions without as much um, suffering, right? Without as much pain. Right, right, right. And and what I've and what I've found so interesting is that as I start to n- notice it more, and then actively actively work with it, actively say to myself, okay, I've got this voice, it's doing this thing, and I'm going to try to be kind to myself anyway. It helps, it helps with um, accepting of what's going on. It helps with, mm. and, it, and it turns, it kind of turns the tables on that voice mm. instead of it being this sort of vicious cycle of negativity. It's more of a virtuous cycle of acceptance. And yeah. then acting from from that place becomes more, more powerful feels more meaningful etc um, right yeah. yeah it's um maybe this has been your experience is like that the that n- negative um mindset i feel like it's always it's always one step ahead of where i am like it <laughs> always has this vision of there's going to be an arrival where i arrive and i'm going to be the pete that i've always wanted to be in the world like i'm going to be living big out of my heart i'm going to be the dad i want to be the husband i you know all these things and so the the interesting thing that i've noticed and i love that you use that word of about continuing to recognize uh it is it's like that negative always puts me one step ahead and so i feel a little unrest uneasy right now and um mindfulness the thing that i feel like maybe the reason why people get skeptical about it or a self-kindness practice where you bring it back into you and slow it down and really land right here what you're talking about accepting it's like the the negative negative side of me can't see how that's going to produce results (laughs) yep and yet it's a practice because we get to witness over and over again that the truth of it is, is that it actually does produce results, but maybe it's producing results in a different way. And that's why I get, I feel like I still am. And the people that I work with are skeptical about what, come on, Pete, is it really, is self-kindness really going to help that much? Is being mindful really going to do that much for me? So. Yeah, I think and that's such a natural 
such a natural tendency. And just to make it more concrete. So for many years in my working life, it was all about how can I work harder? How can I work more? How can I show that, you know, I'm worth it? I'm worthwhile as a, as a worker, as an employee. How can I show results and driving, driving? And, and a lot of times there was even this a little flavor of like, I'm a martyr. I'm going to take it all on myself and I'm just going to work my butt mm, off and yeah. make it all happen. And, and so that, again, that, that, can, that can be effective. But what happened was it was all driven by this, this, again, this inner critic, this inner voice of like, oh, I'm, I'm not enough or there's something inherently wrong with what I do or how I am. And as I start to unfurl that and, and practice more, you know, self-kindness or, or I often refer to it as self-compassion, mm-hmm. um, it's helped me see the value of my own voice more. So for example, the same voice that was telling me, oh, you're, you know, you're not good enough. You don't have enough to offer was causing me to play small at work, mm. right? Not contribute the, the ideas that I had because I didn't think that they would be worthwhile, uh, j- just for, for example. And as I started to practice more self-kindness and say, hey, you know, let's, let's not necessarily believe this inner critic all the time. Let's play with what else could be here. Or, you know, maybe I need to acknowledge more, practice gratitude for the things that I am good at or that I can do well, and, you know, those kinds of practices. Then over time, I started to get more comfortable with voicing the things that I think are important or, you know, strategic recommendations or what have you. And that made me much more effective and much more, I would say, even interesting as an, as an employee, let's say, as a, as a, as a Mm. person working with a team, because then people were recognizing the perspectives that I brought, which just like anybody's perspectives have value. They have a particular experience that they're based on and they can help grow the organization. And Mm. so that's just a specific example that I'm really noticing in my own life and in my own career development that that self-critic that was driving me to work hard was also keeping me small. And by unwrapping that through self-kindness, I can work Mm. in a different way, like you said. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like uh, practically for you? What were some of the early steps you were doing to access that that part of you that you're you're talking about and and maybe what do you find that you're doing still today um that help you stay in touch with that Mm. one thing that has really supported is connection with others and vulnerability in that in that self-kindness so i think sometimes in again especially in our society we, I had a great resistance to practicing any kind of self-kindness, but if I saw somebody who was, you know, unhappy or troubled, it was a natural tendency of, me, of mine to want to talk to them and, you know, hear what's going on and support them if I could. And over time, one, I, I, I saw that there was no reason that I couldn't do that same thing for myself. Right. Like I, I can treat myself the same way I would treat a friend and actually be, you know, kind to, to self, but also then 
in listening to other people be vulnerable and also sharing vulnerably about what's going on with me, whether that's like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm coming into this meeting a little frazzled because my two-year-old is running around without pants on, you know, <laughs> whatever that might be. Um, and just bringing that sense of, of, of the whole human and not having to hide or bury some piece. Um, mm -hmm. And being able to do that in a work setting where there's some openness to that, one was, was helpful for me to recognize that other people are working with a lot of the same challenges. Right. And, right. and help me to, to feel like, okay, I, my experience is not unique at all. This is, this is a really common human experience. And then in connecting with them about what's going on for them and seeing my reaction to them, then having a, a bit of a different attitude toward myself, right? I'm not the only one who experiences this. It's not like there's something, again, it's not, this is not personal. There's not something particularly wrong with me that I have to hide. Like I think all of these pieces of, kind of suppressing parts of ourselves drives a lot of real difficulty and mm. um, by being able to see it in others and then reflect it with uh, reflect about it with others can be really helpful for then being able to again see it and and then make a conscious choice to do something nice for oneself whether that's take a bath like you said at the end of the day or you know take a walk or bring a sense of it's okay you know maybe you you know even if you do something that's that where you messed up where you made a mistake where you caused some you didn't do a project well or you caused some harm saying yep that happened and this happens to everyone and now let's move forward from a place of kindness as opposed to from a place of the whip right, right. cracking the whip right. on oneself yeah mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Be because I think what we end up doing is we end up maybe instituting this this policy or this way to be, whether it's in the workplace or even in our own lives, where I see the benefits of using positivity, but then in our own mind, we're still believing that the whip works. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that practice, and I love that example of vulnerability because, yeah, you know, it is the stories of great vulnerability that I feel like that we are, we're just so attracted to and we resonate with. It's, you know, I'm really into a, a self-inquiry process that, that at the end, you're, you're, you're flipping the original thought to its opposite and you're looking at things through an opposite lens just to give you some, a broader context and I feel like that vulnerability does that time and time again. It's like the thing that your head and mind are screaming like, no, no, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't show up this way, Pete. You can't show up as being super sensitive, you know, as a man or, or whatever it is. And But it's always the opposite. When I actually do show up that way, it is met with with almost more than what I wanted Um yeah, like it's it's just met in a bigger, a bigger way. Whether it's met inside of me, where there's relief and release, or whether it's met by the other person of going, "Wow, that was super courageous." Um, yeah, it's it's like I haven't lost yet when I do vulnerability, except maybe I've lost some ego. Mm. Um, so, Lindsay, how do you maybe getting into a little bit of 
some of the practical nuts and bolts. How do you share this with people? Your your job right now is to take these people who are coming in, maybe they're skeptical, maybe they've been put down in front of you because their their boss or somebody said they needed to <laughs> to come listen to you. How do you use practices that have been shown to to work and support people? Yeah. How yeah. how do you how do you do that? How do you bring that forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And I love what you said about the turn, turning a thought around. I think there's it's always about a perspective shift, right? So, mm. so one of the one of the specific things, one of the many that we do when we when we're teaching is uh, like a self a self-compassion letter. And so you simply take a situation and that you're in that's causing you difficulty and you imagine a good friend or a mentor that has your best interests at heart writing you a letter and you write a letter to yourself from that other person as if it's from them in their voice about what they would say to you about the struggles that you're dealing with, whatever it is. Mm. And I'll just, there was one particular instance where I was um, teaching a program and my uh, co-facilitator had a lot more experience than I did. And I was having some real hard imposter syndrome going on. It was a mm. large, it was a large group, you know, workshop and it was going well, but I was just, I was as nervous as could be. And I was, you know, sort of trying to hide it and trying to bury this. And so I took the lunch break and did that exercise. You know, I imagined like a good friend of mine and I wrote myself this letter about, you know, what I was working with as a facilitator in that moment, in that day. And it was, it was, you know, it was like, okay, I've done this exercise before many times, but right. using it in the moment was extremely powerful. And I'll say that in that, in the, you know, the rest of that day, I, it's not that everything, you know, was perfect. I didn't completely lose my nervousness, but I came back with an attitude that was much more, yeah, these are the, these are the, these are the things that I have to bring here. These are the uh, qualities and the, and the perspectives that are super valuable for this audience. And I'm going to, you know, step into those and, mm. and work with that and, and bring that with, you know, the fullness of what I had. So you, you mentioned like bringing heart. And I think that was, that was a practical exercise that really worked for me in the, in the moment when wow. I was in a, you know, a public speaking situation, a situation where people can get nervous. And, um, and I think that it's that question, just like you said, this perspective shift, that question of how can I look at this from a new angle? Mm. Um, mm. Well, that's so, so huge because I feel like my audience, what I am so passionate about just exposing is what you just just laid out so beautifully. I feel like it's part of a conversation around self-kindness or self-love or self-compassion, like it can get really heady. It can get really <laughs> intellectual and we can have all of the the tools, the tips, the know-how, and like per speaking from my own personal experience, like I could tell you backwards and forwards all of these great wisdom teachings, all of these practical methods, modern and ancient. And, but in the moment, did it help me with these mm. self-attack? 
And so that had to become my practice. It was like I needed to have a practice that could be the fire extinguisher that could put it out when I need or the airbag. Like I hit something, boom, is it available to me right now? When my kid is looking at me and <laughs> screaming, they're not going to brush their teeth. Right. Self-kindness right there. Like it doesn't matter if I can name 15 people who have written great books about it in that moment. And so I love that that is your example. You know, you have all this training from Silly. You can, you know, you're this facilitator. You've got the job title. And yet you are leading by example. So I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's this, what you're naming here, the integration, being able to do it in the moment, right? That is, of course, the the hardest part. Um, That's just a secret sauce. Yeah, right? <laughs> like how do you remember? And I think there's a couple things to be really aware of, and that is our hardwired nature. And I and I mean that from a, a neuroscientific standpoint. Like we are hardwired to have negativity bias because that's what kept mm. us alive. Mm. And being aware of that, knowing that, and then that, so that's helpful. Being aware of that and knowing that, oh, it's natural for me to have, um, you know, pessimism, right? Mm. So being aware of that is step one, and then having the ability and the, the memory to make a conscious choice to then say, okay, I'm, I'm acting from a negativity bias here. How can I bring some self-kindness into the situation? How can I bring some, um, not uh, unrealistic optimism, but, but looking at what's, what actually is good, what actually is positive here and mm. reframe, you know, reframing it that way, because we have to over and over again, reinforce the positive things that happen. I mean, that's what, um, that's what gratitude practice is all about. And so we have to reinforce them over and over in order for it to even come up to the level of the natural negativity bias that's inherent in our hardwired system. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we have to sort of lean heavily on that side, put extra weight on, on the side of practicing gratitude, gratitude for oneself and looking at what are the positive things that we have that we're bringing to bear in any situation uh, so that we can remember those things and then hopefully remember them in the hardest moments. Yeah. You know what you're just saying about the, the bias towards the negativity helped us survive. I feel like that bias in my practice has been hyper-focused on my thoughts. That has really served me a little bit is to take that hyper pessimism, maybe and bring it to the level of my thinking rather than to the level of, of you know, my life situation or the story that I'm telling myself. So I'm a big fan of self-inquiry. And one particular practice that I really like is uh, Byron Katie's The Work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those people that don't know, that's questioning uh, a particular thought. And so mm. in my practice, I'm taking that bias towards being a little pessimistic about the thought when it first comes in Mm. being like, you know, so Byron Katie's work is there's two questions in the beginning that are, is it true? Can I absolutely know it's true? So right off the bat, like you could almost look at that as like a little pessimistic, like, okay, I have this thought coming in that is saying like, she's disappointed in me. And so the first, I'm a little pessimistic, like, is that really true? Mm. Let me take a look at that. And so, I see how that hard wiring can actually serve me 
as I continue to practice to kind of almost focus this natural thing in me towards something that could serve me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Is that making sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's right. I think the, we can use any of the pieces of our psyche to serve us, right? Including negativity bias. I think the important thing is being aware of it and knowing that we're doing that. I mean, you're, and you're Mm -hmm. practicing a very intentional um, inquiry practice. And I think the, the biggest thing is, knowing when am I being, and it's tricky, right? Knowing when am I being influenced by my negativity bias versus knowing what I'm going to, what I'm going to do with it now, you know? Um, So I think, I think what you're, what what the the work I've had a little bit of experience with, with it, with Byron Katie. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's an amazing and powerful practice. And, and again, any pieces of our psyche, even the, you know, even the really harsh self-critic, it's there for a reason. It's useful in some way. Um, but by being aware of it, we can not let it sort of drive us without, without our knowing. So one of the, a teacher that I really love, um, described it this way recently that, you know, you're, let's say an inner critic or whatever it is, is like a little child running around that has lots of energy and they're running around and you can watch them and you don't have to get up and run around after them. (laughs) You can (laughs) say like, yep, that, that that child or that thing needs to run around. It needs to, needs to go. My, my inner critic needs to just be constantly criticizing. That's what that part needs to be doing. And that's cool. I can just let it go and, and criticize, but I don't have to jump in. If I'm conscious of it, I can just watch that it's happening as opposed to jumping in and running around with it. And so it's like that, that's the, the level of that awareness that's really helpful because then we can just choose and, and sometimes we might even indulge ourselves and jump in and run around with it, right? Like, but I think right. there's, a, there's something about that choice and respecting what our intuition is telling us that we want and that we want to do right now, um, as opposed to just acting without any, without any intention, right? Without any mm. awareness. That's mm. where I think the, there's so much power um, in, the, in the way that we conduct our lives in the way that we drive our own actions yeah and that's that's the power of mindfulness right and that's why it's a practice to to keep coming back and go oh wow i was just running around with that (laughs) that little guy on the floor (laughs) let me come back um you know let me come back come back uh i think that's what almost every wisdom teaching ultimately says is you know just come back just come back back." or that that great beautiful roomy poem uh you know don't go back to sleep of just yeah just mindful so yeah so Lindsay, you're you're working with people and and silly you know maybe that that is such a great pointer of silly that there is a little bit i feel like in a mindfulness practice that ultimately you start to land on this spot of that perspective is a little bit arbitrary and there can be a playfulness with that at times and other times it feels really serious like <laughs> mindful mindfulness is just this life raft and you just gotta hold on with mm. your life so how do you how do you begin to kind of crack that a little bit in somebody's external story shell that you know okay she's a mindfulness teacher like teach me mindfulness you know how do you how do you begin to even bring people to that place that, you know, you can be aware of this? Yeah. 
Mm, that's a good question. I mean, one is purely experiential, you know, if you, I mean, honestly, one thing that's coming up for me a lot is slowing down. And this is not something we want to do in our, in our, especially now with COVID. Oh my gosh. I, I, well, I think it, I think the, it's different for different people, but some people are, you know, at home and not working, um, nearly as much. And some people are working in overdrive because of the you know changing conditions that the pandemic has created. And so it is different for everyone, but for many slowing down is like, Oh my God, don't ever go there. <laughs> like, can we not, we, there's too much to do to slow down, but by taking a very short time, a couple of minutes to slow down and just be present. Right. And, you know, could be like, slow down and just breathe. Some one, one writer, I follow just says, don't do anything. Just do nothing. Just spend a little bit of time doing nothing. That mean, And that means literally don't check your phone. Don't look at, you know, email. Don't watch TV. Don't talk to anybody. Spend a little time doing nothing and mm. see what happens, you know? And even that can be a, a practice in mindfulness because then all you're doing is letting your thoughts carry you and then, oh, what am I doing? I'm sitting here. I'm doing nothing. Huh? And so anyway, playing with that. But, but I think there is something of having a little bit of space to just see what's here and slow down um, for even for two minutes, you know? Um, so that, mm. that's one piece because even that can change. I mean, it literally physically change our system if we're slowing down and slowing our breathing down and just being, being here without the urgency to the next thing that changes, you know, our, the, our mental, um, kind of hamster wheel. And, and then I love the way you talked about this, this, um, the silliness aspect, um, because I think there is like, we take ourselves really seriously. Um, and it is so easy. I I definitely experienced this, uh, with, with, you know, lockdown and everything, having, you know, kids at home and, and four people in the house suddenly trying to do their thing and how um, intense that's been and being able to juggle all of that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I had many moments where I'm like, oh, this is so hard and nobody understands. And nobody knows how difficult it is on me and just very ridiculous right like like I look back at it and I'm like oh you know you were you were really like taking it personally and yeah and yeah. and being able to laugh at my own you know natural mental movements of like hmm. of course there are lots of people experiencing this and remembering the common humanity in that um it it just really helps to bring in that that humor aspect hmm. that like hmm. you know oh look at how you're taking this personally just like a kid takes it personally when you know their ice cream falls off their cone you know right. and like okay like yeah that's a natural human tendency and being able to to giggle with that is so helpful for me i think i'd be <laughs> i'd be pretty overwhelmed sometimes without it yeah because it's i remember at the beginning of the pandemic it's like i would be working with somebody or somebody would say hey pete i'm really interested in the self-kindness but, you know, I just don't have time right now or, about, you know, and then it's like <laughs> the pandemic hit pause on everything. Yeah. 
And what happened is like two or three weeks into the pandemic, you know, people would start saying things like, oh, I really want to do this, but I can't right now. I don't have time right now. And it was just like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's like perspective. We don't have a pandemic. We're too busy. We have a pandemic. <laughs> we're too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you talked about the humanity of it, because I feel like the other part of maybe right now again with that mind that likes to put us just a few moments ahead Mm -hmm. it also loves to pull up the past and I feel like right now this is this moment in time with pandemic and especially with the the social uh the inequities of our culture and the larger world human culture being brought to a, a bigger stage where where you know we can focus on it because it has been it had just been buried for so many of us mm-hmm. me included as a, as a white middle class man mm-hmm. um that being brought to light there's part of me that questions is self-kindness is it valuable enough to address those inequities that those injustices you know, it's something that I, I find that I am wrestling with. And so I'm curious if you have any reflection about how a self-kindness practice can have a larger effect in our community and in our world. Yeah. Thank you so much for that question. It's been, it's been of course, top of mind for for me and for a lot of folks at our organization. And yeah, I mean, especially when you're so, you know, also as a, as a white woman, I have particular privileges and, and aspects of my life that have been made easy or made to, to just happen in a certain way that is different, um, particularly for um, oppressed, you know, uh, an African-American or, you know, Native or Indigenous um, folks. Like, it's something that's so prevalent and it's been the the water that we swim in for centuries and in doing that work so i would say in terms of self-kindness self-kindness is certainly not in my opinion this is totally my opinion but self-kindness is certainly not enough in terms of you know we have to take action and move be ready to move into a space where um, oppression is not part of the system and it is absolutely imperative as we start to to do work, especially around racial injustice, because negative judgments, very deep, deep judgments about our own, you know, quality as a person or, you know, um, opinions that we might have held for years and years without even realizing it, it's, it is ripe for creating a lot of self-criticism and, and negative self-talk and all of that. And, we need to bring in self-kindness in order to face that and move through it and then continue to act and continue to talk and have the hard conversations and continue to think about solutions and work together and all of that. So it, mm. so I, it certainly feels like self-kindness to me is 100% a, a building block of being able to do that work that we need to do collectively in order to unseat some of these really embedded systems that are totally unfair. Well, well, thank you. And yeah, you know, what you 
brought to mind, maybe I'm seeing it in a different way, just hearing you you speak about it is is almost like what you're doing with individuals and organizations in the workplace. You know, I just had this imagining of imagine communities coming together to have these conversations. And in the beginning, maybe the old way was we let's have a prayer together and that could also, you know, look at the wisdom of indigenous cultures of what type of intention are we setting here, bringing a mindfulness practice, bringing an awareness practice that into that space to then grow new policy and new conversations out of that space. Um, Yeah. It feels like it could be, like you said, just, just building blocks in a practice. Yeah, absolutely. Keep, keep, in order for us to stay stay in it, we need to keep keep that piece. It's so important. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite teachers um, likes to say, "Peace is just so under underrated. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing more exciting than peace. So let's try it out. Let's be vulnerable." And that's the invitation that I I make to my audience is that we've gotten so good, like you said, at this decades of of that self talk. And so we're going to be a little clumsy uh, by taking that kindness that we're so good at extending to others and trying to extend it back to ourselves. And, you know, as adults, that sometimes can feel awkward to be clumsy with something. But I feel like that's our that's our opportunity. Yeah, well said. So, (laughs) well, thanks. In closing, I, I would just love if you had a little bit of a little advice or something, if somebody is feeling in this moment a little bit, uh, they're feeling anxious or whether it's it's with race, they're not sure where to begin in their own inner conversation or if it's just mindfulness of being a parent or work, what words of your experience would you want to share with somebody? Be curious. What is it that is causing that tension or that? anxiety or what is it that's feeding the need for things to be different than they are right now and just look at it and see what comes up and then be ready to meet that with if you can a sense of kindness mm-hmm. wow thanks Lindsay. now i know why you get paid the big bucks that's silly <laughs> <laughs> That's silly. Um, how can people get get more of you and learn about the work that you're doing and, and learn about the work that that search inside yourself uh, is is doing in the world? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, we are the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, and so you can find us at silly.org. S i y l i dot org. Um, and yeah, we have. There's a ton of um, guided meditations there if you're interested in that, and there's a few that are that are mine. Um, I'd also be happy to connect anytime and yeah, love, this has been so fun. I'm really enjoying connecting with your listeners, Pete and and with you Mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and and thanks for, for saying yes to, to a self-kindness conversation today. Really grateful for you. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. Mm. What a great conversation. What great reminders to be curious And the great reminder to just notice that we can have a tendency to be pessimistic and to maybe look at how we can turn that around to be something that actually serves us. 
you know, being a little bit skeptical about how we're dropping into a story of negativity, of worst case scenarios. So next week, I would love it if you would join me. Join me in this self-kindness challenge. Begins August 26th. You can join it live on Zoom, noon Pacific, or you can watch uh, after the fact and catch up. We're really going to walk away with tangible ways to look at anxiety, what to do with anxiety. It's I'm calling it an answer to anxiety. Not that there are ever any answers that can 100% take care of anxiety, but what are some tools, what are some ways that we can really walk away to decrease the anxiety, feel more calm, and come to every situation in our life with a more creative possibility, a more creative solution. I love that you would take the time to be here with me, that with all the busy things going on in your life, you would take a moment to give yourself uh, time to reflect, time to be open to a self-kindness conversation. Would you subscribe to this wherever you listen to it, whether uh, it's Apple Podcast or Stitcher, and leave a comment that really helps to grow this self-kindness conversation that we're having. And if it means something to you, maybe share it with a friend. Maybe it would help create a self-kindness accountability with you and a friend. Thanks so much. And don't forget, you can find me at selfkindnesswithpete or at petesibley.com. And I love you. Until next week, we'll leave you with a song. Self-Kindness with Pete is produced and edited by me, Pete Sibley. If you would like to find out more about advertising or supporting Self-Kindness with Pete, please email peterksibley at gmail or visit petesibley.com. And thanks. Shining on the way